Welcome to this episode of the We Travel There podcast. We're in Asheville, Ohio with Bob Hines, the author of Amazing Asheville from Reedy Press. Bob grew up in Asheville and loves the small town life and enjoys the weather in all four seasons. In this episode, Bob and I talk about the annual Viking Festival, racing in the Karting Classic, and visiting an apothecary from the 1800s. Hear about these three amazing experiences and so much more. The show notes will be available at wetravelthere.com forward slash Asheville. Now let's get started. The We Travel There podcast helps you travel like a local by interviewing guests from around the world to uncover the hidden gems of their city by finding out the best things to do, eat, drink, and see from a local's point of view. Acorns is one of my favorite apps because it helps me invest spare change automatically. Every time I make a purchase with a registered debit or credit card, the transaction is rounded up to the next dollar. Then, Acorn invests these roundups in my personalized portfolio. Plus, when you shop at participating retailers or service providers, you can earn additional found money to invest in your future. Examples of current and previous partners include DoorDash, Liberty Mutual, Macy's, and FedEx. I've been using Acorns for years and love how much money I've saved up from all these small investments. Sign up using my referral link at wetravelthere.com forward slash acorns to start saving today. Hey, Bob, welcome to the show. Yeah, thank you. Appreciate it, Lee. Well, fantastic. Well, so today we're talking about Asheville, Ohio. And quite honestly, it's a city that I didn't know anything about. I didn't even know it existed. And so uh, we got introduced by our friends over at Reedy Press. And I'm really interested in learning all about it. I, I saw your book and just there's so many fascinating things that actually happen in a town that I've never heard of. So it's really awesome to have you on the show. Thank you. So what's your connection to Asheville? Well, I grew up there. I don't live there anymore, but I spend a lot of time there because I'm involved with something called Ohio Small Town Museum. I'm the curator of that museum. What did you love most about Asheville growing up? Uh, small town life, you know, you get on your bicycle in the morning and uh, you go visit friends and you wouldn't, you'd eat at their house for lunch, peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. You wouldn't come home until four or five o'clock at night and your parents didn't worry. Nobody had locked doors. It was just an idyllic childhood, I think, uh, during that time, during the 1950s and early 60s. I have my son right now. He's 10 years old. And I remember around his age, I would do the same thing. I would take off on my bike with my buddies and I'd be gone all day long and I wouldn't be home until probably an hour or two after it got dark. And I'm scared to even think about letting my son go uh, for on his bike for like down the street. It's a different time now. Yeah. It's interesting. So, but it still, still has a lot of that small town feel today, I'm sure. It does. That's part of the reason the Ohio Small Town Museum is located there. It really takes a look at what, what it meant to be living in a small town. So you have small town life and, of course, the history of small towns and how small towns like Asheville are connected to the world and uh, American history in ways that most people would have no idea that these kind of links exist. I'm not, like I said, I'm not very familiar with the, with the city. So where in Ohio is it located? It's 20 miles south of Columbus. Okay. So if we're going to come to, to visit there, would we fly into Columbus or where do we fly into? You would fly into Columbus. There are two airports. One is just two miles away from Asheville, and it's at uh, Rickenbacker International Airport, but it's only served by Allegiant Airlines. So we would recommend if people were to fly in, they'd fly in into uh, John Glenn International Airport, which is about 10 miles further away. Okay. And then once we fly into the airport there, then was the best thing to, to rent a car or take public transportation, like Uber? Like, What's the best way to get around? 
uh, you'd probably want to rent a car. We would suggest that it take more than a day to actually visit some of the sites that are in the area. If you wanted to partake of everything that the area has to offer, it would take more than a day. So you'd probably want to rent a car. Okay, that makes a lot of sense. Now, as far as planning where to stay, are there certain parts of town that we should focus in or any parts of town that we should avoid? Asheville itself does not, it's a small town. It's only 3,000 some people. It does not have a hotel, but there are uh, hotels within two to three miles of Asheville. Rickenbacker has a, a Baymont hotel and Circleville has several hotels, including Holiday Inns. So there, there are hotels nearby. All right. And I, I know some of our, some of our listeners are really into like Airbnb and those, those type of, uh, those type of accommodations. Are there those type of, as well? You can do Airbnb uh, nearby, yes. Circleville has a number of them. Oh, good. Now, when we're planning our, our, our visit, I know Ohio can get really cold, <laughs> right? Uh, I have some of my friends there, and they, they're in their parkas and everything like that during the wintertime. So what's the weather like throughout the year? And then kind of along those same lines, I know that there's a lot of festivals that happen throughout the year in Asheville. So what are some of the festivals we should really kind of plan our visit around? Well, really from... The springtime through the fall, that's the best time to visit the area. And there are festivals in the Asheville area throughout that time period. In April, there's it's actually the, the last weekend in April. We have something called the Viking Festival, which is kind of a Renaissance Fair type atmosphere. And it's free. Uh, the only entrance requirement is that you bring a can of food for the local food pantry. In June, they have the Commercial Point Homecoming. And that's uh, the second weekend in June. What is the the homecoming? Because I'm I'm familiar with like homecoming for like high school and football and stuff, things like that. But that's like June. So the, is school over by then? School is over, just over. And it's part of Ohio Festivals Association. Both Asheville's Fourth of July and the Commercial Point Homecoming are two of the uh, pioneering events that are part of the Ohio Festivals Association. So if you go there in the second week of July, you'll, you'll be entertained. You know, they have a famous fish sandwich and they have fireworks. And the same thing at the Asheville 4th of July, which, you know, obviously runs the first week of uh, July. And then there's the Asheville Food Truck Festival, which is also free. And it uh, happens in the fourth weekend in July. And it's centered around the downtown of Asheville and incorporates uh, Ohio Small Town Museum. So people can come visit that at the same time. They can get uh, some great food from Columbus food trucks. Uh, usually there's between 14 to 20 food trucks. Do you have any favorite food trucks? Oh, I like Mexican food, but uh, Argentinian food is, is an interesting one. And they have Greek food that's good. But the people down there, they totally surround uh, Buckeye Donuts. They love sweets. <laughs> so do I. So it's a good match. So they have a lot of great donuts, so. And uh, in August is the Commercial Point Karting Classic, and that's a go-kart race that happens over a period of time with different age groups, and there are uh, monetary prizes. So uh, a lot of people come in for that event to watch that, Commercial Point being the hometown of uh, Sarah Fisher, who was a Indy Racing League star at one point. She started her racing at the Commercial Point Karting Festival. The last thing in October is the, the world-famous Circleville Pumpkin Show. Uh, and it's also free. All of these events are free. Oh, good. You're speaking my language. I, lo I love free. Love free. <laughs> and I love family-friendly things. Like All the things you're describing here. Because like I normally travel with my young children. 
And so sometimes my wife comes and sometimes she doesn't. And so it's nice to be able to have like some family friendly activities where I can bring them and, and know that they're going to be entertained and having a lot of fun. Yeah. The Asheville area is probably one of the most celebratory celebrating communities in Ohio. They love to have festivals. That's fun. That's fun. So let's talk about some of the, the, the main things to do while we're there visiting Asheville. So what are some of the, the must do things we should, we should think about? If you fly into Columbus and rent a car, the first place you ought to go is to uh, Mott's Military Museum. It's just north of Asheville, about seven miles. And the reason I say that is Lockbourne Air Force Base, used to be Lockbourne Army Base, is where the Tuskegee Airmen were stationed after World War II. The commander was Benjamin O. Davis. Uh, he was colonel at that point, but he became the first African-American general in the Air Force. And Lockbourne Air Force Base, which is two miles north of Asheville, is where President Truman entered an executive order which ended segregation in the armed forces. So Mott's Military Museum, in addition to having a number of displays related to military service from the Revolutionary War on, has a nice display about um, the Tuskegee Airmen. Oh, that's fantastic. And while you're there, you might as well go to the Slate Run Historical Farm which is just a couple miles outside of Asheville. And it's a, an 1880s farm where you can participate in uh, actual farm chores. And you can hoe in the garden. You can feed animals. You can spend a morning or you can spend a whole day. You can watch people doing cooking and other things in the style they would have in the 1880s. That particular farm also happens to be, it's the birthplace of uh, John Oman, who was one of the inventors of the gyroplane. Oh, wow. Yeah, I love I love things like that, like the Mott's Military Museum and then the State Room Farm, because you know as we go around with our with our children, like sometimes they forget that things are far different, you know, like a generation ago or you know, more than a hundred years ago, and it helps them kind of understand. As especially my son, he's in fourth grade now, so he's starting to get a little bit more of that history of what's been going on in our country for the last couple hundred years. And, and so now being able to see those things in person and get a little bit more context and actually really understand what it was like versus just trying to understand it through a book. I think those are those hands-on experiences like that are just wonderful. It's interesting. They also have in the yard, they have toys that children would have played with back in the 1880s. So they can get up on stilts and walk around to see how hard that is. Oh, sure. And they could taste, you know, the, kind of cookies they would have made back then. They, they have a, you know, it is a complete working farm, so they also have a blacksmith area and, and other things where they can fix tools. And uh, there's always somebody there to demonstrate, you know, what it was like during that time period. That's fantastic. Sorry, kids, there's no iPads back in the day. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> if you're a, an adult, I want to do something adult, you can go right next to the Slate Run Historical Farm is Slate Run Winery. You can taste one of their, they have a, fleet of uh, wines. I think they have 17 different wines. That area is on a, a glacial moraine, and it's uh, very suitable for wine growing. In fact, there's another uh, good winery that's about seven miles south of that called Clear Creek Vineyard, which also has some some great wines. Yeah, lots of choices there then, obviously. Now, you mentioned earlier about the, the, the small town museum. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about that? Well, my book identifies Asheville as the most colorful community in America. And Asheville's Ohio Small Town Museum depicts some of the stories that are in that book. So the museum has a very interesting traffic light that's in the 
the Guinness World Book of Records. It, it looks like something out of Buck Rogers. It's just a light that has a dial. And as the dial goes around from bottom around to the top and then again to the bottom, it changes from green to red. So the dial actually tells you how much time you have until the light's going to change. And this was invented back in uh, the 1920s, and it's still operating. Yeah, I, I wish they would incorporate that because <laughs> so many times now when I'm driving, like you never know when that light's going to turn. How long am I going to have to wait? Yeah. It also has Ohio's oldest flag. It's a 17-star flag. It's got uh, six-pointed stars on a canton of blue with a star in the center. And the, the star in the center represents Ohio, the 17th state. Oh, nice. Yes, and there there are many items that are depicted in the book. The book explains the stories behind the artifacts and the items. So you'll have a story about the cow that uh, shot and killed Ira Cummings, which is the first case of uh, a cow committing manslaughter. Yeah, I guess the cow didn't want to become a burger, I guess, right? Apparently not. <laughs> and the local Ashbrook's Grill has a killer cow hamburger that you can try if you come to Asheville. There are a lot of other things. There are things like Chick Chick, the chicken that paid for his own meals. There's a display about Chick Chick, and there's a display about Buster the dog that voted Republican. There's this display about the man who slept, didn't really sleep. He was he was unconscious and on display in the window of a local grocery store for three days and nights. People stayed and watched him to make sure he didn't move. He actually made a bet with somebody that he could do that, not get up and go to the bathroom, not eat, not do anything. And the only requirement was at the end of three days, he would put out his hand and they they had to put $20 in his hand. <laughs> he did that and they did that. Wow. What a fun story. So let's talk about some of the places to eat while we're there in Asheville, because I'm, I'm sure there's some really great like small town cooking. So what are, what are some of your favorites that we should that we should hit while we're there? Cherry Street Diner is a great place for breakfast. So I, w- I would highly recommend doing that. Because it's a small town, there's a lot of pizza, a lot of fried foods and things like that. But if you want um, you know, a nice pub-type meal, I would go to Jackie Ray's Grill or Ashbrook's Grill. And there's Kelly Joe's Sports Bar there in Asheville, all of which you can get um, you know, nice hamburgers and fries or uh, subs and pizza to sit down and eat. And Commercial Point also has a a very nice sit-down spot called the Station House 81. They smoke their own wings and they do something interesting with it. They smoke them and then they fry them, which I've never heard of. It's a great taste. Yeah, I was going to say the flavor must be amazing. Yeah, it's amazing. And of course, they have lots of pizza places. There's more pizza consumed there than any place else in central Ohio per capita. Oh, wow. Yeah, I mean, with because I love pizza so much, I'm surprised that I, I've never heard about Asheville before. <laughs> yeah, since they have so many pizza spots. See if we want to go someplace where get a little sweets, maybe like afternoon snack or maybe after dinner, something like that. Where would we go for like ice cream or chocolate or something to satisfy our sweet tooth? The Baseball Dairy Diamond on Crumley Street in Asheville would be the place to do that. They have great milkshakes, fabulous milkshakes. Oh, nice. Love me some milkshakes. Other than that, there aren't any candy stores in Asheville, but there's one in Circleville, which is known throughout the state. It's called Wittich Candy. And so if you wanted to make a little side trip, it only takes about 10 minutes to get there. Okay. Yeah, we can definitely do that. Say if I'm, I'm coming through town and want to look for something that's uh, maybe a little bit more upscale, taking my wife out to a nice uh, romantic dinner or something like that, where would we go for that? You want to go to Circleville. Yes. 
if you wanted an upscale meal, uh, you'd probably go to Circleville. Now, South Bloomfield has Bob Evans, and that's not a bad place to go for a meal, but it's not going to be a candlelight dinner. If you want something like a candlelight dinner, you want to go to Circleville. So as I was doing a little research about Asheville, I was looking at something else called the Scotia Valley Traction Line Power Station. Scioto Valley Traction Line Power Station. Okay. That power station, that was the first way to bring electricity to rural communities through traction lines. These were a third rail, like a streetcar, that ran from uh, usually moderate-sized cities to a major city like a capital city. And in between, there would be stops in small communities like Asheville. And in those small communities, sometimes there would be a powerhouse. Well, because they had power produced at those stations, they could provide uh, municipal power to the rest of the community. So Asheville was lucky early in the 1900s, 1905, to get electricity in their homes because of that. That power station, it's an historical building now. It's been turned into a restaurant. It's called Jackie Ray's Grill which is another pub. It's a that's great pub food. Oh, fantastic. I mean, it's amazing when some of these buildings like that, they, a lot of times we, we just tear them down and, and start fresh and build something new. But I love it when they can take something that has like a historical meaning like that and kind of transform it into something cool that we can kind of enjoy today. It has another use. Yeah. Right. I'm kind of speaking of that. I think also there's something like the Asheville apothecary. It's almost like a old school pharmacy, right? Yeah, Robert Mabe is, is, has been a collector, and he has, in his pharmacy, he has a, a museum, early to late 1800s apothecary pharmacy. So, you know, everything that you would see in an apothecary at that time, he has as a museum within his store. Yeah. Like we were talking about earlier, just seeing the transformation from the 1800s to, to now, you kind of forget how far we've come, how far we've come, right? And so, being able to kind of walk back into time like this and and, and view something that is pretty much restored back to that that some original time frame, right? Being able to visit that is is incredible. He has a, a brand new store, and within that brand new store is this this museum. You can look in there and see how they would have crushed uh, the medicine to and then form it into a new medicinal and. You, you compare that with what they have now, and it's amazing the difference. So you can see right there in one place uh, how a store might have looked and, and how the pharmacist would have put the formularies together for you know someone who, who needed uh, medication. So I think that's one of the gems of the local area to be able to go in and look at that. Yeah, that's fantastic. Well, Bob, I really appreciate you sharing all these amazing stories and tips for Asheville. I learned a lot, and it sounds like such an amazing place just to be able to go and, and spend a few days and, and explore and, and kind of take a step back in time. But now it's time for the final countdown. If somebody only had time for one meal when they visited Asheville, where should they go and what should they eat? I would go to Cherry Street Diner for the breakfast, and I'd ask them for the uh, Lily Leghorn special, which is the three-egg special. Okay, so you grew up in the area. You've kind of been circling around. Uh, you're writing your book and everything else. I'm sure you have some memorable stories. So which one are your most memorable? For me personally, one of the most memorable stories is um, at the Asheville 4th of July. One year they got the idea to bring people into the community. They would shoot off a rocket and the rocket capsule would explode as it reached you know, a certain height, 100 foot or so. And inside the capsule, there would be coupons and money that when it exploded, it would just, it would filter down and rain down on the crowd below. But like the WKRC 
dropping the turkeys from the helicopter. <laughs> this had a fatal flaw. When they shot it off, for some reason, the wind got it, and it exploded, and money and coupons went everywhere, and the crowd went running wild from the park into the residential area, climbing on people's roofs and into the cornfield of the nearby farmer, destroying the crops. So, Oh, wow. I remember that <laughs> day vividly. It did bring a lot of people to the town, but um, <laughs> it didn't have the intended outcome. The way you, when you were first describing it, I was thinking that like fireworks, explosion, fire, and paper money and paper coupons, probably not a good combination. I, I was imagining them like just bursting into flames and everybody crying because all the money got burnt up and everything. Yeah, that was uh, it was something. That actually, <laughs> one of the things that happened, the capsule itself did not explode the way it was supposed to, and it came to the ground. And most of the money was in the capsule, so the first person that got to the capsule got most of the money, but the coupons went everywhere. Speaking of funny times and, and, and good memories, where's the happiest happy hour in Asheville? I would go to Ashbrook's Grill, but I think there are others in town that would maybe go to Jackie Ray's. They're both good. Nice. It's good to have options. Now, like, like I mentioned earlier, that I love pizza. It's one of the things I do everywhere I go. And like you said, Asheville is like the hometown of pizza just about. Like you have so many different pizza spots. So it's probably hard to pick just one. But what's the best place for pepperoni pizza? In Asheville, I would do Mike's. It's probably the oldest. And uh, it's the one that I, I grew up with. So Mike's Pizza would be the place. In nearby Commercial Point, I'd probably go to Doughboy's. Well, I will twist my arm and I will go to both and, uh, and let you know which one I, which one I like better. So, obviously, you, you wrote a book about Asheville, and I know that you ventured out throughout the, the entire state and explored a lot of different other areas, so you probably have some great travel tips. Which one are your best? Uh, be open. Be open to adventure. If you travel with companies like Talc or Colette to see a community or see a, a group of communities or a state or something like that, that's wonderful. You get travel guides to provide you with the information, but... I think it's it's wonderful to just go someplace, do a little background reading, and explore on your own. No, I, I totally agree. I, I think it's good to have a, a broad idea of like the different things you want to do while you're there, but it, you don't want to cram your schedule so full that you don't get a chance to just kind of explore. And uh, sometimes just walking around that you find things that you would never even have thought about, and they could be better, way better experiences or way better meals than what you'd planned if you'd planned the entire itinerary out. Yeah, I, I mean, I love to do both. I love to go on trips to Europe and South America and Australia and other places with travel companies. But when if I'm within the United States, I really like to just do a little reading and find out what locals say about what's important in their area. And then I'll map it out and go check out. And they're usually pretty good. Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, that kind of ties into my podcast and your book. Can you tell us a little bit about your book and what it is that you do? And um, what's the best way to reach you on social media if we have questions about your book or about Asheville? Sure. I'm retired now. I would say I have a lot of time on my hands, but I don't. I'm busier now than when I was working. <laughs> but uh, yes, I make the displays for Ohio Small Town Museum. And uh, I obviously wrote this book. The book is, uh, you, can, you can go to amazingashville.com. And you can learn everything you wanted to learn about uh, the book, how to get it, and uh, if you want it signed or have an inscription, um, all of that information can be provided there. I think all small towns 
rural communities like Asheville, they all have stories, they all have histories, they all have a reason for being, but many of those things are lost over time. And Asheville, at least, is a place where they actually look to find out what happened here. Uh, how are we related to changes in technology, especially um, technologies of transportation and communication? And how are we related to national and world events? And again, I, I think what is true of Asheville is true of all small communities. Sure. We'd love for other small communities to actually look and see what has been done in Asheville, see how they can... Um, incorporate this in their school systems and connect kids to not only their, their culture, but also the history of the world. No, exactly. I mean, it's all about preserving that history, preserving that story, and then sharing it with others, you know, so that way it doesn't get lost. So that's a wonderful story. And, and hopefully this inspires a lot of other people to come visit you in Asheville and explore all the different shops and restaurants. That would be wonderful. And, and uh, I just want to say thank you for coming on the show and, and sharing all these tips. And we look forward to seeing you when we travel there. Thank you, Lee. I truly appreciate it. It's wonderful to have a show like this uh, for people who like to travel. What an awesome conversation with Bob. I love the character and history that you find in small towns across the U.S. like this one. You can find all the links we talked about today at wetravelthere.com forward slash Asheville. We want to say thank you to Acorns for being today's affiliate partner. With Acorns, you can invest spare change automatically on every purchase that you make. Plus, you can earn found money by shopping at participating retailers. This is a great way to easily build up your travel fund. For a limited time, when you sign up at wetravelthere.com forward slash acorns, we both earn $5. Join us next time as we head to Bangkok, Thailand to speak with my new friend Rick Kazarian of globalgaz.com. Rick and I talk about the Sakyam Festival, visiting the Grand Palace, and watching a Muay Thai fight. We hope you join us when we travel there. If you've enjoyed this podcast episode, please share it with your friends and tell them what you like most. Make sure you follow us on your favorite podcast app, that way you don't miss any of our upcoming destinations.